listening to an episode from our Design Thinking Season, a series of conversations with people talking about their ideas and experiences with the design thinking process, universal design and inclusive design. Hi, my name is Kaleja. Hi, my name is Zen. We're talking with Rohan Pereira, entrepreneur and one of the founders of Hebe Design Sprint Ireland and LeanDisruptor.com, among other ventures. Um, welcome to the podcast, Rohan. Um, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Great to, great to be here. Thanks so much, Kalija and Zen. It's great to, great to be here to talk about design thinking as well as share a bit about my journey. So I have taken a bit of a strange career path as I started off studying accountancy and I did my undergrad in accountancy and then I actually became a professional poker player for four years and at the same time I was very interested in in entrepreneurship and business processes so I actually did a postgrad in innovation creativity and entrepreneurship and after that I started teaching and lecturing in design thinking lean startup and all entrepreneurship uh, tools so that's um that's what I've been doing for the last six years is teaching and, and consulting around, you know, design thinking in particular and more recently design sprint. And then last summer, what I did was I decided it's enough, enough teaching. Now I have to jump onto the other side of the fence and start implementing uh, some of these tools uh, for myself and, and for a startup. So I am now a founder Created, creating a business. Well, we have a business called Hebe Adventures, which what we're trying to do is create the Airbnb of student language travel and predominantly focused on under 18. So that's that's what I'm doing at the moment. And as I said, great to great to be here and, and happy to take any kind of questions that you have that I can hopefully share some good advice and good tips. Um, the idea of design thinking and design sprint seems to have become ubiquitous in recent years. Who is using it and why? Yeah, this is it's a great question. And really, I suppose one of the reasons it has become so widespread is because we've needed a different way to try and solve problems as the old traditional model wasn't working. And I think that's that's one of the reasons why design thinking has has become so widespread. So you look at the Fortune 500 and Fortune 100 companies, and nearly all of them are using design thinking to try and solve problems. And I really, I think one of the big game changers is enabling everyone in the company or everyone who's looking to solve a problem in your team together and having all their voices heard. And, and I think traditionally, all of these kind of problem solving approaches have come from the top down where you're thinking, oh, what about the CEO, CEO or senior management? What, what do they think? And maybe their idea is the best. Whereas design thinking definitely takes a different approach that it's everyone's everyone's equal and everyone can come up with a good idea. And I think that's really important because it's it's the truth. And uh, the companies who are using this, it, you know, a lot of people think, oh, tech companies, they're the companies who are using design thinking and all these processes like lean startup. But actually it's organizations from any size 
and from any industry, whether you're looking at government agencies, startups, uh, large corporations, SMEs, um, all, all over the world uh, in companies of, of any size uh, can get real value from, from design thinking. Yes. Yeah, so um, like you're saying, um, couldn't you consider like design thinking somewhat of a just another process, another new product development process? Yeah, sure. And, um, you know, a lot of people ask me that question where they say, oh, what's better, design thinking or agile or design thinking or lean startup or what, what's the best tool for us to use? Well, what my thoughts on that is, is firstly, there might be a particular process to use to solve a particular problem. Like, for example, agile methodologies you're really utilizing a lot of those on the implementation stage, which is a, a bit later down the road when we're thinking about design thinking, we usually think, okay, let's start off with the customer, let's empathize and then define what, what it is we're, we're trying to achieve and then we're prototyping and testing. But then at a later point, we might be really, after we validated these ideas, we might be looking to roll it out at a very quick pace. And that's why we can use tools like or processes like Agile as well. And so what I'd say is, firstly, there could be a particular process that works best given the problem you're trying to address. And also, if there is a process that is quite similar to another process, Use the one that your team is most familiar with. That would be my thoughts. You know, lean startup and design thinking, for example, there's a lot of similarities there. Design thinking talks a lot about empathy as step one, whereas lean startup talks about customer development. And at the end of the day, it's really about trying to get into your customer's shoes and understand what are the big challenges that they're taking. So it wouldn't bother me if somebody was thinking, oh, okay, I'm, I'm doing customer development or, oh, I'm, I'm looking at empathy. And um, because, again, we're, we're really just trying to understand our, our customers better. And I think that's one of the things that a, all, a lot of these processes are aligned on. And I think that's critical. Yeah. So going on from there, uh, what do you think is motivating the di uh, design movement? Like, is it a fad or is there a real shift in the mindset and the commercial of the people working? So this is, a, this is an interesting one. And. One of the things, so I haven't really touched on design sprint uh, too much. Now, design sprint and design thinking uh, are very similar. They're using a lot of the same tools. So design sprint came about when um, Jake Knapp from Google was looking at improving uh, how Google look at new product development. And what he created was this five-day process where essentially he uses a lot of the uh, design thinking exercises and he, he really time boxes this into a short space of time. So essentially what, how I like to think of design sprints is it's like design thinking on steroids. It's you're, you're really packing it into a short space of time and, and trying to complete certain exercises within a given timeline. And I think, you know, this, the design sprint has definitely helped uh, organizations see the value of design thinking as well because one of the the challenges that I've noticed with design thinking with people adopting design thinking is some people some organizations think of it as oh we're, we're going to get uh, a high-paid consultant in to run a design thinking workshop and in some cases 
It may be that they're running a one-day workshop. All the team comes together. Everyone's high-fiving. Everyone's having a great time. And then after the workshop is over, then it's you know back to work as normal. And when you look back, you say, okay, everyone had a great time, but are we? did we actually benefit from this? And I think that was the challenge with design thinking at the start. But I think now the reason I don't see it as, as a fad is they've really started in the design world to focus more on the implementation on looking at okay what did we do in that workshop or what did we do during this process and how can we take the next step to implement those learnings and design sprint was really good for helping that along as well and i think that's the key if i would say anybody who's looking to implement design thinking it, that's the one really important thing is to you know think about this as a, a whole process and don't think of it okay we can get in here and we can try you know fast track a lot of this stuff without thinking about and um, what we need to do next in terms of validation in terms of listening to the users and the learnings and iterating and actually implementing so um that has been really good in recent times uh, and i don't think it is a fad i think you know, it's getting more popular each day um, and every year as well. And you see that with the results. And that's the big thing the the results uh, from these design thinking studies, you'll see research has it's immense, the amount of great outcomes that have come from this process. So kind of piggybacking off of that, do you believe anyone can like develop a design attitude? Um, and if so, how do you um how would you recommend them starting out trying to develop that attitude, trying to get into the design thinking mindset, mind frame? Yeah, sure. And, you know, one of the things when when I was teaching and facilitating, you know, sessions like your own sessions, I usually ask the question, are you creative? And most people in a class or in a workshop might be hesitant to raise their hand. And because they feel, oh, I'm not creative, I can't do design, I can't do design thinking. Um, but actually, that's incorrect. As NASA, there's a NASA-backed study that was trying to test on young kids who was a creative genius. And they tested this on four to five-year-olds, uh, a whole sample size of all of these kids and what they found out was 98 percent of them were creative geniuses and so that means all of these people essentially all of these kids were born creative geniuses and what they did is they tested those same kids as they went along their journey so when they tested them again they're age 15 it dropped dramatically then you you test them when they're adults there was actually even a separate study that tested 300,000 adults and only 2% were creative geniuses. So what I would say is we're all born creative and what we need to do is try just get that spark back of what we're all born with. And, you know, sometimes it could be a case if we go to school and we follow a certain, certain route and then this creativity gets knocked out of us. But that's, there's no reason why we can't get back those those creative juices. And um, what I would say, my advice would be to just get started. I think that's the most important thing. And people worry about, oh, okay, we need to have something perfect. Or when I come up with an idea, it has to be really artistic or, or, or just super effective. And um, 
at the end of the day, getting started is better than being right. So, uh, you know, we're, we're trying to get started before everything is perfected. And then, you know, you go along that journey. And what one thing what I'd say is, you know, perhaps some, let's say you have a problem to be solved in your family or in your class or, you know, at work or whatever it is, start thinking about how can we approach problem solving in a different way? You know, grab post-it notes together and start individually working to try solve that problem before having a massive group discussion. One of the, one of the things, one of these, um, you know, great, I suppose, um, guidelines of design thinking and design sprint is starting off, of course, as I mentioned, getting started is better than being right. And also, you know, if we start off individually, instead of in a group brainstorm session, we're, we're going to get the ideas from everyone. And then when we choose what's the idea we want to run with, we're voting anonymously on the qualities of the idea rather than the qualities of the people who had them. And I think that is a real game changer because as I mentioned at the start, usually people look to the most senior person or the person who can pitch the best or articulate themselves the best in terms of problem solving. But at the end of the day, anyone can come up with great solutions. And it's all about, you know, putting yourself and your team, regardless what team setting you're in, into into a comfortable environment where everyone is happy to share things um, and not afraid to, to have their voice heard. And I think one of the one of the great things with design thinking is it really enables us to hear the opinions of all. So that would be just some thoughts. And you know, one of the exercises that I use a lot as a way to even talk to facilitators and tell tell people um, how can you get started with facilitation and problem solving using design thinking? There's an exercise called the lightning decision jam, which is a one hour exercise that gathers you as a team uh, to start off with what are things that are working well in the team and then start looking at, okay, what are the challenges? And now let's use design thinking exercises to solve some of those challenges. Um, so you, that's a, an exercise worth looking up and um, a great way to get started in, in utilizing design thinking too. Um, so you mentioned the role of the facilitator. Can you talk a bit more about what, what role, what decisions these facilitators make and how they facilitate a group in the design sprint? So in terms of facilitation, I suppose, you know, one of, one of the most important attributes when you're a facilitator is to firstly not bias any situation um, and it can be very hard to not throw in your own opinion uh, on when a team are together looking to solve a problem but it's actually probably the most important thing as a facilitator is to kind of let your ego leave your ego aside and say okay really what i'm doing here is trying to bring people through a process so that they can come up with the solutions themselves and you know a lot of a lot of organizations when i'm when i'm going into organizations and running things like design sprints they they ask me oh, okay i'll send you on a report in in detail of 
of what our company is about and what the problem is that we're trying to solve. But half the time I just say, well, I don't really need to know any of this information because my expertise is on the process and I am not providing um, ideas to solve your problems. I'm actually enabling a space where you will solve your problems yourselves because they have the answers, the people that you're facilitating. Um, so I'm, I think I might be diverting a bit away from the question original, the original question, but in terms of design sprint, since design sprint is a five day process, um, how you go about facilitation there is just firstly making sure that you're super prepared about what it is that um, what it is that you're you're doing each day. I think like you have to be really really. Um, focused on the time i think that's another big thing about facilitation is enabling people to ha continue having great conversations and um, when necessary but also being able to like politely push people through the process because in a design sprint you have so much to get done each day so you know one particular day you you can't you can't spend a huge amount of time focused on one exercise so you need to make sure that each person and the team is actually moving along so sometimes you can just use tricks like um uh, when there's too much of a conversation going on you can say look let's park that and you know we'll write it up on the whiteboard or write it up on post-it notes and come back to that later because a lot of the time with these processes you can think about it it's like a big funnel there's loads of ideas loads of challenges and you don't have enough time to to solve all the challenges or um, really go into the depth of all of the ideas so it's about just voting quickly moving on ensuring that you're you're listening to others but also continuing along that process so i think i've answered the question but um if if there is any additions there i can you can remind me as well. Yes, no, you answered the question great. Um, how sustainable are sprints? And if the approach is productive, why don't we do it all the time? Why are we still stagnant in our own processes? Yeah, that's that's another really good question because you know, anytime I'm in a design sprint, I just feel so productive uh, because it's like you're you're in a different world. You, you feel like you've got so much done and achieved so much in that short space of time. And this is even with, you know, um, any of a lot of these processes that that problem solving processes that you're aware of that you, you're kind of jumping in and you're achieving a lot. And then, you know, the following week, uh, you, you kind of have to try keep up that momentum. But it's very hard. You know, a lot of the time when I'm not in a design sprint, I just feel like I'm not productive because of how productive I, I can be in a design sprint but you have to you have to be careful because there's burnout for example like you're just you give so much to these processes that it, it's just not it isn't sustainable to continue doing them each day or each week or anything along those lines and I'd say one of the big reasons is remember when you're when you're looking at a problem solving process you, you usually have a particular challenge to to solve and you're saying okay we're going to give this amount of time to put all our energy in to try and solve this problem and come up with a good solution but usually this is um, adjacent 
uh, adjacent to all the other work that you have to do. You know, the day to day. Think about it like when you're in um, a large organization, you might run a design sprint to try think of another revenue model or another product that you might release. But all the other products that you're you're selling or you're distributing, everything to do with those products needs to continue on because that's your bread and butter. You know, after you finish a design sprint, you need to go back and answer all those emails or answer all those calls or those requests from all the people who are reaching out to you during the the, the sprint, let's say, in this example. And, um, you know, that's why some people or some organizations find it very hard to, you know, take the next step after they've gone through a design thinking process is because you know, after you've done that testing, now you need to go and implement those learnings. But, you know, you're so swamped from all the work that you've missed out on from being in that design sprint that it's hard to kind of keep up momentum. So that's uh, also a separate channel challenge, not linked to your question, but um, that w- would be how, why I think that it's not sustainable to keep running these all the time. Like for something like a five-day design thinking process, I would say that's more like a once a quarter and even at once a quarter for your organization, that could even be too much. I think you know it's really important to think about what's the challenge you're trying to solve. Is this a big opportunity or is this a big risk? And, and do you need a full you know, five or whatever amount of days it is that you're you're running these processes for and um, to try and solve this? Or could it be done by, you know, you do getting to the team together within an hour? And um, so you also have to measure what what is the scope of the challenge and how much time you will actually need. Um, so that that would probably kind of cover that question, I think. So um, Jack Knapp's sprint process starts with setting the stage starting with a big problem, a long-term goal. But where do long-term goals come from? How do we identify and decide on these big problems? So how do you quantify when you should kind of run a five-day design sprint, for example? Um, So if this challenge is, is too big for you to try and solve in a day or in a couple of hours, and is this challenge when you're when you're thinking about the challenge how how much is it frustrating your team or preventing your team from achieving the things they want to or how much of an opportunity is it so when you think about oh okay maybe we need to try and solve this particular problem for for our team or our customers then you're thinking about okay well how many of our customers have this particular problem what's the potential market size of this and um, is this is this a big risk because one of the reasons you run a design sprint is instead of actually going off let's say for example someone here in the in the class had has an idea for an app let's let's just say it's um, another social media app and you know traditional way of thinking would be okay i need to go and you know try get investment for this app i might go and try get 50 grand and get somebody to build this app for me and um, and you know there's a whole lot of risk there and we can go off we can build this app and then we can put it in front of customers and then they might go okay i've no interest in this you know i'm on tiktok or instagram and this isn't appealing to me 
So the idea of a design sprint or design thinking in general is, um, it, and I know I keep going back and forth from design thinking and design sprint, but essentially, you know, design sprint is just an application of design thinking. Um, but let's say if if you, instead of actually going and saying, okay, let's build this app, we say, okay, let's find out, is there a problem that needs to be solved? And let's try rapidly then create prototypes to test with users all in the space of a short amount of time. And then if we, if the users, if the feedback that's coming back is very positive, then you know, okay, maybe there is an opportunity here. And maybe now I could go off and, and actually start the implementation and the building of this app. So I think that's the big thing. It's the the idea here is de-risking our our ideas as well, um, and de-risking the process. And I think that's why all these great processes were born. I guess my other question would be: so with the long-term goals and um, having like a maybe a problem that may be too big, um, but it's necessary to get done. Do you believe design thinking or it's something like design sprint, which is the application of it? Um, could slow down the process of product development being that things like burnout happen and you won't be able to design the product as fastly as you want, even though design thing is very productive If burnout occurs, um, the process could be slowed down. Yeah. Great, great question. And um, just actually, you've, uh, that question has reminded me that I didn't answer part of that last question when, when you were talking about the long-term goal. So when you jump into your design sprint, when you're thinking about the long-term goal, you really think about like essentially the long-term goal, it, you have to be super optimistic when you're going through any of these processes and think, okay, in a dream scenario, where do we as a team and where do we as like as solving this problem, let's say, what, where do we want to aim to be at? Where, where would be a finish point or let's say if in two years everything is super successful what's that end point going to be and you know we're trying to think super optimistically uh, so that later on when we look at you know some of the key challenges we can think super pessimistically and say okay well if this is our aspiration these are the challenges that we will have to reach our aspiration so that's why when we do a long-term goal we think Firstly, what's the best possible outcome? And then what's going to prevent us from getting to that best possible outcome? And um, in terms of your, your question around you know, burnout and will it slow down the process, what I would say is it's a much bigger risk if you don't use any of these processes. The amount of millions you could lose, um, depending on you know, the size of an organization, on not going through one of these processes because these processes design thinking really helps you to understand the users and understand where your product or service needs to go what direction it needs to go in because if you just say okay look you know if we want to do something really quickly let's forget about this design thinking and all this other jazz uh, and let's just go off and roll it out then you know there's a massive risk that that could be a massive failure. Uh, you know Jake Knapp created the design sprint, um, because when he was working, when he was working uh, on um, a, a product called Microsoft Encarta, and um, when he was working in Microsoft, what happened was 
is they were given this product uh, project to say, okay, go and create Microsoft Encarta version three. And then they spend all their time, you know, all the designers together and then separately all the sales team together, all the marketeers and like the product designers, they built or they created after the developer or with the developers, they created the product. And then separately, then they got the sales and marketing team and said, OK, look, we have the product. Now go, go sell this to people. And um, and then it, w- it was a massive failure. And one of the big reasons was is firstly, all the team weren't aligned on where they wanted to get to and a design sprint is or design thinking in general is a great way to get the team aligned on what is that long-term goal and what are the challenges for us to try get to this vision Um, and another reason is they hadn't you know hadn't been looking elsewhere as well to see what the customers actually want you know customers didn't want to pay for this kind of information. And what you'll find is if you you do a quick search, you'll find that Wikipedia was coming out around the same time who really understood the users. And now if you actually Google Microsoft and Carta, there's a Wikipedia page telling you what Microsoft and Carta was. And, you know, Jake being involved in that creation you know, it really frustrated him because he said, look, I spent all this time working on this and then it was a complete failure. Surely there's a better way. And and then he actually moved to Google and he found that those processes were all the same and on how you go about creating new new ideas and new products and solutions. So that's why he went and said, let's look at this a bit more deeply and see can we understand the user's needs more and figure out a process that will de-risk all this product development. And um, so, you know, in summary, I would say it's all about de-risking. And we're lucky now that we live in a world and a time where there's so much tools and processes available to us that will help de-risk our ideas. Um, And, uh, you know, sometimes it's it's a job in itself to try and find those tools, um, but they're there. We have, we're lucky to be in the internet age where, you know, there's so much accessible at our fingertips, even, you know, creating videos, creating prototypes, like websites, everything is accessible for all of us, um, which is which is amazing. So I'm going off a bit on a tangent there, but it is uh, it's an incredible um, world we live in now. Yes. So uh, I have a question there. When formulating design sprint groups, is there a certain limit of how much people should be in the group to increase productivity and the efficiency of the group? And throughout your experience, what kind of people do you think do best in design sprint groups? Would you say introverts or extroverts, you know, increase the productivity in the design sprint group? What's your opinion on that? Yeah, yeah. Um, this is it's another great question. And, you know, usually the ideal design sprint group is is seven is seven people if you're if you're looking at this five-day process um, but it could be anywhere from six to you know nine i ran a design sprint with 10 people and i think it's it's important to note and this is kind of going back on that answer around why jake not created the design sprint it's important to note that you know when you're choosing a team you're trying to choose a team that have diverse skills. So maybe it's somebody on the marketing team, maybe it's, and then somebody on your sales team, maybe it's, you know, and I'm talking in kind of in a corporate setting, but maybe in, in any setting, it's maybe somebody who, 
who has a more focus on kind of prototyping, somebody else who's more, you know, numbers orientated, somebody else who who's maybe more salesy. Um, so, you know, that's the important thing is that you're you're getting the right people in the room to be involved with. And um, and it's amazing what you can achieve. And also, actually, a caveat to that is sometimes when when companies run design sprints, you know, the person who's picking the team might be looking through the list of potential people who could be in the team and could be saying, okay, you know, this person is maybe a bit more disagreeable than this person. So I'll just invite this person instead of this person. But it's important to have, you know, different types of people in there. You don't want a design sprint where everyone's kind of coming in and everyone's like, oh, high five all the time. Uh, you know, we'll just agree to anything. We're just, you know, happy to be here. Of course, like it's it's great to have positive people in your design sprint, but you also want people who are going to ask the right questions because if you're going to go on this journey, you want to make sure it's worthwhile. So you, you really want all those questions being asked. And um, in terms of introverts and extroverts, you know, they, they're both... They both have their their skill sets. I would say that you know I, I yeah it's it's a tough one. I think introverts enjoy or are absolutely delighted to be involved in processes like design thinking because you know all voices get heard. And I think sometimes introverts you know they their ideas don't get heard as much. Um, and that's you know a disaster because like a lot of the time they can have the best ideas or you know maybe a majority of the time like a lot of the time i would say when i'm running design sprints i've seen the introverts maybe their ideas being selected more and um, because maybe it's just my perception that um, introverts seem to be very good at putting ideas down on paper whereas the extroverts you know, prefer to maybe pitch out their ideas, but it's trying to find a balance because you don't want to, you know, lose any of the good stuff that, you know, maybe somebody else might need to add in. And as a facilitator, you should be able to kind of coach them along. You know, you can always be, uh, you know, having short one-on-one -on -one calls with people and taking them aside to say, okay, look, I know you're not going to be pitching ideas here, but make sure you get all your thoughts on these post-it notes and on these um, A4 pages when you're crafting out an idea. And um, because like all the ideas are, it's really important to get everyone's ideas. And like what usually happens then is like a lot, a lot of the time you'll have like an amalgamation of all the ideas in the room. Like it's not, particular that it's not a guarantee that one idea might win it, it's more like it's it's like building on the ideas of others and so then it's really a shared idea and no one really has ownership and i think that's also the power of design thinking and um, that it's like this is the group's idea this isn't one person's idea we all came together and we've all worked together to create this idea and so i think that's that's another um great reason to be using processes like design thinking um, I guess a question I have is who chooses these groups and who makes the decision of who's included and who's not? Um, as I, I know in corporations and organizations, like it's not a secretive thing, whereas like create when you're being creative and wanting to create and develop new products, um, 
these processes aren't secret to the entire corporation and some people will be left out. So who makes the decisions on who's included and why they should be included and why not other people? Yeah, this is um, it's an important question as well. Um, what I would say is that all groups in an organization can be, and a lot of the time are, involved in design thinking initiatives. Um, whether it's in their own maybe division with some of their smaller groups or whether it's, you know, um, mixing groups and some being together or maybe it's even company wide. You know, I've I've run design thinking sessions for 100 people at the same time. So obviously in that scenario, every and nearly every single person in the organization was was there. And I remember even, you know, last year uh, we did we we actually ran over one week we ran design thinking sessions remotely with every single person in the organization and we split into teams of 10 for each you know one hour session this was and then we got the insights from all of those sessions to then create a report on here are some potential next steps that you could take and that the team have come up with and so i think it's important to be getting everyone involved in design thinking initiatives so uh, you know regardless of what position they are or what seniority level they are um, i'd say definitely everyone needs to get involved now for the specific question around a design sprint when i talk about you know having seven people potentially in a room now when i'm planning a design sprint and i'm talking to usually it's like the product manager who might who might um, she or he might come to you and say, look, we need to run a design sprint. Who should get involved? Now, what I would say is, firstly, it needs to be somebody who's very close with the customers, who has direct communication with them and really sees them in action a lot. So, you know, that person will generally not be somebody who is one of the most senior people. And sometimes it, there can be a tendency that the further you're kind of going up in in terms of seniority in a firm, like the further you're getting away from the customer, which is obviously an absolute nightmare scenario because you need to always be thinking about the customer and interacting with the customer. So that's why we always, even when we're talking to, you know, C-level, C-suite kind of clients, um, and we always tell them, look, when's the last time you've talked to a customer? You need to be talking to more customers. Um, but yeah, just back to the question. So, then you would pick some people who are who are dealing with customers on a day-to-day -day because they have that key insight into the customer. And then you might get somebody maybe from the finance team. It might actually be the head of finance um, or else somebody else who, who knows in the ins and the outs of the finance division. Maybe then somebody on the sales team, somebody on the marketing team, a developer, uh, a designer. And, and what's really important, and this maybe is one of the roles of, one of the other people that are already there but it's key that you have and this is the most important part is you have someone who is who has the decision making ability this is probably the most important thing when you're running design sprint that somebody who has the decision making ability is in the sprint so that could be you know the ceo let's say of a large organization or it could be somebody else like head of product or product manager but whoever it is they have been given the decision-making ability for this sprint so that after you look back on the sprint week, 
and you say, look, these are all the learnings and insights. This is what we should do. Then you have someone there who can actually guarantee that we will go and act upon these learnings. Because if you don't have someone who has the decision making ability or who has been given this decision making ability, then what will happen is you'll just have loads of high fives and everyone will be happy, but then nothing will actually happen. And then you're just wasting your time and wasting everybody's time. So that's why I always make sure if I'm running a design sprint that you can actually execute. The people in the room uh, will have the ability to go off and execute this idea if it's been validated by the users. Another side point to that is, you know, it, it doesn't have to be validated for this to be a successful design sprint. You know, some of the best design sprints are at the end of the week, they say, um, this isn't a runner. We shouldn't build this product. Like, that's amazing. Uh, that's, you know, a really a good outcome that you haven't wasted all this time and money on building something that people don't want. So that would be just the last point. And uh, I know we might be finishing up, but, um, you know, that's that would be just a thought I'd have there. Well, we'll wrap up there. And thank you for sharing your thoughts and experience today. It was very nice talking to you. Brilliant. Thanks. Uh, thanks, everyone, for, for listening. I hope it was valuable and you know, great to, to have you guys in and uh, Kalija to interview me. Really appreciate it. And best of luck with implementing design thinking now over the next number of weeks. Thank you for listening to this episode. The music used is Easer One Supernova from the Argofox label. See the description for links, credits and license information.